All right. Here we are at Lawyer Talk, off the record, on the air. Steve Palmer here, as I am every single Wednesday. Uh, and this is no different. We are waiting to interface with the Blitz over at 99.7 with Randy and Loper. Uh, again, this week, I am here down in the bunker at 511 Studio C, all alone, holding down the fort. But no big deal. We're still going to bring you all the legal questions from the Blitz and uh, maybe a little bit more here as I'm waiting. As many of you know, we have a website, lawyertalkpodcast.com. And that's a place where people can go and submit questions. We get them by email. And uh, every now and then, like today, I'll answer a few of them. Uh, and one of the questions that I had, and this is a pretty common question I get in my practice uh, regularly, uh, people get an OVI and there's actually two different uh, charges on their OVI ticket. OVI in Ohio is uh, drinking and driving DUI. There is no difference for those who uh, want to know that or didn't know that. But the the reason is uh, the reason there's two charges on your ticket uh, is generally because you took a chemical test, either a blood, breath, or urine test. Now, here's how this works. In Ohio, there are two ways to get charged with OVI. The first is the impaired charge. This means that they have to prove that you were operating a motor vehicle while under the influence of alcohol. This is the kind of DUI, OVI, that your granddad would have known. Uh, it means that uh, you're too drunk to drive. Things like field sobriety tests, how you appear, your demeanor, your attitude, bloodshot eyes, slurred speech, odor of alcoholic beverage, honor about your person, all the traditional things that you would think. And then we have this other type of OVI, if you happen to take the test, uh, and that's called a per se offense in Ohio. Per se, meaning it just sort of is what it is because it is. And here's how this works. It is a crime. It is a DUI in Ohio to operate a car or other motor vehicle if you have a prohibited concentration of alcohol in your blood, breath, or urine. Now, what does all that legalese mean? Here's what it means. If your blood alcohol content is above the legal limit and you're driving, then it's a DUI. It doesn't matter if you are sober as a church mouse, so to speak. It doesn't matter if you feel like you're fine to drive. What matters is what that test result says. So it, it's here's the problem with this, or maybe let's back up. Here, here's why I believe anyway that this this is what it is. The I think the General Assembly, the legislature, recognized long ago that there are people who can drink a lot of alcohol and they can hold their liquor. In other words, it's not so obvious from looking at them how much they've had to drink. And then there's others. Uh, maybe they have like two beers and they just look like they're plastered. But I'm talking about the people who can drink the 20 beers all day long and just appear totally normal. The per se offense is designed to catch those people. And if the police have a good reason, reasonable cause to ask them to take a test, a breath test, urine test, or blood test, then it's a crime for them. And it comes back above the legal limit. It's a crime for them to drive, even if they felt fine. So often what we see is there are two different violations on somebody's OVI ticket. And whenever I see that, when somebody comes into our office, I know that they have in all likelihood taken a breath test, blood test, or urine test. And that, that, that this is part of the reason why when we talk to people about whether they should test or not test, take the breath test or refuse, uh, just as a matter of math, I would say on a first offense, don't take it. Why? Because you get two charges instead of only one. Now, that maybe is a little bit oversimplified because there's a lot that goes into it. Another way to look at it is uh, consider this a test because it is a test. They actually call it a breath test, blood test, urine test. And you have to think to yourself, When's the last time I took a test that I didn't think I was going to pass? And did I do that because I had to, because somebody made me, or would I volunteer for that? And I would say you would never volunteer for a test that you didn't think you could pass if you had a choice. So on, on a breath test, if you've had 
a bunch of beer, a lot of drinks, or you, you're, you don't even know if you can pass, then don't take it. Now, this is on a first offense. There are some other uh, ramifications if you have uh, prior convictions that I'm not going to go into uh, today. But uh, if you don't think you can pass tests, don't take it. And that's true of blood, breath, and urine. But I, I think it's worth at least talking about uh, blood and urine testing a little bit more these tests will pick up alcohol for sure, but they're also going to pick up other things. So if you happen to have smoked marijuana uh, at some point in the recent past, if you are taking uh, prescription drugs or even illegal drugs, these are going to show up, in theory anyway, on your blood test or urine test. Now, again, if you have concerns about this, if you think that there's a problem that you're not going to pass and it's your first offense, well, then don't take it. You don't have to. Uh, now, ironically, in Ohio, we have some... Uh, uh, twisted laws that say we're not allowed to go into a courtroom and challenge a breath test. I can't go into a courtroom and say a breath test is just inherently unreliable. If that machine, even if working the way it's supposed to, gives us a result, Ohio sort of presumes that it's accurate. Now, that might be a little bit of a a whitewashing of the issues, but uh, it's very difficult once you have a valid test on a machine that is above the legal limit uh, it may be very difficult. It's not the right way to say it, but it adds a layer of complexity that we don't need to have. Blood test and urine testing is different. Ironically, they're, in my opinion, more accurate, maybe not the urine test anyway, but the blood test for sure, uh, than a breath test. But we're allowed to challenge those. I can actually go in and challenge some of the general reliability issues on those tests. Um, anyway, that's a great question because it actually it, it opens up this Pandora's box of OVI law. And I, I've said this uh, time and time again, I, I've practiced in federal courts, state courts. I've done complex uh, multi-state drug cases in federal court with truckloads of cocaine. I've done complex white-collar cases involving thousands and thousands of pages of documents. I've tried uh, murder cases, uh, scientific um, uh, medical cases, all sorts of things. And DUIs and OVI law in Ohio and elsewhere, it's about as complex as it gets. Uh, it has uh, ramifications for Fourth Amendment rights. It involves administrative uh, law because you have license suspensions with the Bureau of Motor Vehicles and reinstatement issues and insurance problems. Uh, it involves scientific areas of law because of the testing and what goes into it. And then it's got good old-fashioned trial advocacy if you have to go uh, actually uh, try the case. So uh, don't think that these are easy. Don't think they're simple. And don't think that the the guy who is just uh, glossing over these things uh, because he's got a fancy internet internet ad uh, knows what they're doing. Because um, you know, after 25, 26 years, I know what I know. And most important, I know what I don't know. And I know that I have to constantly keep on top of uh, of this stuff in order to advocate properly for people. So anyway, great question. And, and as a reminder, anybody else who has a question about OVI or any other area of the law, I'm happy to discuss here on Lawyer Talk. Just go to lawyertalkpodcast.com. And of course, you can always reach me upstairs if you have any real legal questions that you need legal help on. Uh, that is 614-224-6142, ohiolegaldefense.com. Again, a place there at that website where you can uh, submit questions by email, and I'll be happy to get back to you and help you out any way I can. All right. It looks like the Blitz is ready to interface. So let's uh, tune in and take on all callers. All right. Steve Palmer is standing by. Hello, Steve Palmer. Hey, good morning, everybody. How are you guys doing? Dude, doing pretty good, man. Uh, we do have uh, you on the phone for legal advice, and people can get on with us at 821-9970. Uh, they can also text at 99700 and pretty much ask you whatever they want. Yeah, what a um, and that's ex- exactly what's happening, though. People are texting in already. Gotcha. 
Let's go. You ready, Steve? I am ready. All right, Steve, I finalized my divorce in April. Thousands of dollars went into an attorney trust to pay marital debt off, along with um, a bunch of legal fees, and they set up a QRDO. My issue is not all debt has been paid yet, and some went to collections due to my attorney not doing anything. Along with the divorce process, he would take weeks to respond to emails and wouldn't do um, what we asked of him, wouldn't file motions or contempt. He didn't even fine a discovery against her. I feel like I was screwed over by him and still am. Who would you go to for a malpractice or at least get some of my fees back? Okay. Yeah, there's a there's a little bit to unpack there. So a couple of things. Attorney trust accounts, they call that an IOLTA. Um, and that's basically an account where I can place client funds or funds that aren't mine. So if I settle a case, for instance, and I've got to I've got to pay out certain bills and expenses as well as disbursements to other attorneys or the client. It goes in my trust account first, and then I can write checks. And it, it is what it is. It's a trust account. Uh, and I can't commingle that with other client uh, funds or my own funds without having a clear delineation about what I'm doing. Um, and it carries with it an obligation. I have a trustee obligation. I can't just uh, ignore uh, the client funds and not do what I'm supposed to do. So to the extent that there's an attorney out there who did not pay off bills or debt and should have and had the money to do it, uh, there could be a problem there for that attorney. Um, and the other thing I'll mention too, is you mentioned the QDRO or QDRO, that's a qualified domestic relations order. And what that generally does is if I have a 401k or some other uh, IRA type of account and I want to transfer that to my soon-to-be ex, then it can be done without dispersing it first and uh, and paying taxes and penalties. In other words, it, it's a direct transfer. So anyway, back to the question, is there uh, somebody I can refer you to? Yeah, I'd be happy to uh, make a referral. Give me a shout, 614-224-6142. Lawyers like doctors and other professionals, we uh, can make mistakes. I can't uh, uh, you know, we're just normal. We're humans. And uh, that's what it is. And to the extent a lawyer neglected his or her duties, uh, made a mistake or engaged in conduct that fell below standards of practice, then there is a malpractice case that can be had there uh, for damages and uh, even to get your fees back, etc. So give me a shout. I'll be happy to make a referral. I'm sorry this happened. I hate hearing things like this. Um, and, and hopefully there's some remedy out there or at least an explanation that can uh, can make it feel like it makes sense anyway. All right, we have two open lines right now, just two, at 821-9970. All right, Joe says, if I'm riding my bike and an officer observed me committing a moving violation and I'm found guilty, will it go against my driver's license? What kind of moving violation on a bike? It's a bicycle. Yeah, bicycle. I think it will. Yeah, I've I've had these kind of cases. Usually I can defend them, though. Usually I'm pretty good about, um, you know, I've I've had success about uh, getting these things dealt with without any severe ramifications, but... Yeah, I mean, I've had guys on bikes who sort of uh, cut up through traffic in between the lanes of cars, and then uh, I had a case one time where a guy opened his car door into the bike, and you know the bicyclist was responsible for all the damage to the car door because he was in a lane that he shouldn't have been. So yeah, bikes are wow. when you're on the road, you got to you got to follow the rules. It just is. Um, it's one of those things. Yeah, I always wonder that with motorcycles, like when you see like guys that are really brazen on motorcycles and they like, you know, you'll see it mostly with like the crotch rockets. I just showed you one. They go up in between the cars and, you know, I mean, like you're like, what if somebody just 
scoots over or merges on accident. Was it Monday I showed you that someone was doing that on a bike and they had a passenger on the bike and they crashed on the car? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was nuts. Yeah, they crashed in between the two cars. Uh, Dan wrote in and said, Steve Palmer, boxers or briefs. <laughs> but I am, uh, I, you know what? Believe it or not, it depends. I do both. It depends. Well, not, not depends, not depends yeah. on your garments. Yeah. Yes. No, I'm, I'm, I'm not, <laughs> I haven't reached that level yet. Although. Yes, you have not. Uh, I just, I just thought you were just like, Hey, screw it, man. You know what? I just like to get loose on the weekend. Skip to the diaper. Um, we have so many coming in. Steve, about a year ago, I had a rifle malfunction on me. It blew apart and cut into my stomach. I was okay, but I sent the gun to the manufacturer, asked them to replace my gun check the gun out. Maybe there needed to be a recall. They said the only way they would give me a new gun is if I signed a piece of paper saying that I didn't hold them liable. I signed it, but now I think I did the wrong thing. Do I have any grounds to go back at them? They did send me a new gun, but I feel it was basically only if I signed my rights away. Well, yeah, you may have done the wrong thing. Uh, Here's what happens. If there is a gun that malfunctions and it was of no fault of your own uh, and it caused you damage or injury, uh, I don't know what, the, I don't know how severe this was. I don't know if it was like a, it cut well, open his stomach. Uh, yeah. But That's is intense. that like a cut or is that like a surgery type cut? Is that like, uh, I, I don't know, but, uh, there was, there, there probably was a product's liability claim in there somewhere, depending upon, uh, how much injury or damages were resulted. It could have been worth some money. Um, but it is what it is. I mean, if you've signed over the waiver at this point, uh, it's probably going to be enforceable. Now, if you want us to take a peek at it, give me a shout, 614-224-6142. And I guess at the end of the day, you at least got a new gun. Um, I, I don't know uh, whether it was just the one-off of the gun that that one particular gun had a problem or if it's, uh, like you said, a recall. But certainly something to look into. And, you know, generally speaking, I always tell people, don't sign anything. Talk to us. Talk to me. Look, I'm here every Wednesday. I'm easy to reach. Don't sign anything. Always get uh, somebody, an attorney who knows what they're talking about before you sign your rights away on things. Because, uh, you know, people on the other side, they can get a little sneaky. They want to get you to waive everything. All right. On the phone right now, we have Brooke. Hey, Brooke, line one, you're on with Steve Palmer. Hi, Steve. Um, Okay, so I'll make it super quick. Last month on the 29th, I was in a domestic violence case, basically. Um, this guy was weaseling his way into my apartment. I tried to get him. He full-on kept me captive in my apartment for 45 minutes, beat me up, what? choked me, strangled me, punched me eight times in the back of the head, dislocated my knee. Eight times? And then, yes, eight times. Um I broke my phone, let my cat out, who I've had for 12 years and is my emotional support animal, and, and I have not got him back. No. Um, so, anyway, I drove myself, after he finally left at 11 at night, I drove myself to my parents. They called 911. Ambulance took me to the hospital. Was at Mount Carmel for six hours. Cat scans, x-rays, the whole shebang. Um, got in touch with a, it's like a, a, I can't remember the word, but um, somebody through the court system got a hold of me, and they are helping me through basically the very basics of, like, the court hearings and everything coming up. My question is, I have, it got continued on the 7th till August 30th, or 31st. I have to go to court that day. Do I, I, I don't really know, but. Do, is this something where I should take this further on my own? And if there are, 
does anybody do like pro bono cases for people with not a lot of money? Because I'm a single mom. I make 11 bucks an hour. I live on my own. I mean, I live paycheck to paycheck. Well, but I want this guy to pay. And it looks like they're going to slap him on the wrist and send him away with two years probation is what my like attorney type of person is saying. Yeah, here's the deal. He is probably charged with domestic violence, I'm guessing. And domestic violence means uh, yeah. essentially that there's an assault on somebody who is a family or household member. That means at some point in the past, you live together, we're a couple together or something along those lines. Um, a domestic violence as a misdemeanor of the first degree carries a maximum punishment of six months in jail, $1,000 fine. I think the individual you're talking about that's helping you is a witness assistance advocate. Their job, they work for usually the prosecutor's office, and their job is to help you through the process, explain what's going on, and get your input into the process. Now, there are rules in place and even a constitutional amendment now in Ohio that gives uh, victims rights to speak and be present at all proceedings, and you certainly should take advantage of that. Now, as far as getting your own lawyer to uh, pursue this further, uh, you you have to differentiate between the criminal case and any other type of case. So the criminal case... You know, as, a, as an attorney, there's not much I can do for you there because I would be – the state of Ohio is prosecuting this guy, not you. Now, that doesn't mean if you have uh, damages or you have injuries or costs or expenses as a result of what he did, you make it. You could even file a civil case against him for damages. I don't know if he has any money, okay. um, but that's possible. Now, as far as pro bono goes, it would depend. I mean, some lawyers take those cases on – contingency, meaning, you know, you don't, I don't recover unless you recover. I don't get paid until you get paid, that type of thing. Right. Um, And, you know, some cases are better than others. And lawyers are usually reluctant on these kind of assault cases to sue for damages because so often uh, people don't have the money. Uh, And so you're suing, you're getting a judgment, but you can't collect it. Um, Now, as far as taking it further or more serious punishment, sounds to me like there was serious physical harm here, which could elevate this case to a felony level. Um, I assume a prosecutor has looked at this, evaluated it, and made a decision not to do that. But that might be a question for your witness assistance advocate, whether this should be a felony because you actually had hospital treatment and the injuries were very severe. Sounds like there was also a – if he didn't let you leave or restrained your liberty for a period of time, that could be a felony kidnapping charge. Uh, There's a lot going on here. So I would have that conversation with your advocate – and, you know, good luck to you. I, I hate to hear this stuff. Yeah. 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 Okay. Let me ask you a question. Uh, so how did you get in with this guy? I mean, like, how did you even know him for him to, like, push his way into your house? I honestly met him on Plenty of Fish. It's a dating site. I met him two years ago. And two years ago, he seemed to be fairly normal. But we only were associated with each other for about a month before he met a girl, moved in with her, and has been with her for the past two years. Well, they had a falling out, got in a fight. She kicked him out, and that's when he came, contacted me in mid-May. And between May and June, he was staying, you know, two days a week, three days a week, four days a week. Then it was he was at my house all the time. And I can't have roommates. And... You know, I live on my own. I live with my daughter, and she's almost 15, and I don't want a roommate. I don't need a roommate. I mean, the extra money would be nice, but he wasn't giving me any money or anything. Oh, wow. And he was just just pulling on my heartstrings and manipulating me because, I, you know, I was lonely. I haven't had a boyfriend for about five years. I've been single, and I was kind of a little desperate and lonely, and 
he just reeled me in. And when I finally couldn't take it anymore, and we were arguing all the time. I, you know, tried to get him out that night and lo and behold, that's what happened. It was the most horrifying experience of my life. And I mean, I don't know. It was horrible. It was, I wouldn't wish it upon my worst enemy. And, you know, I've been on, uh, I was on crutches and I've, I've been wearing a knee brace every day for 30, almost 30 days. It'll be a month tomorrow and still haven't found my cat. I mean, beyond the physical and mental damage, I missed my cat. You know, I had him for 12 years. That's, that's gotta be really tough. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry that happened to you. And I hope that you find some kind of justice. I really do. Thank you so much, you guys. I'm a big time listener. I listen every day, every morning, all day. I would play the radio at work. I love you guys. Thank right, you so thank you. much, Brooke. All right, Brooke. Take it easy, okay? I hope you get your cat right. back, yeah. too. All right. And uh, Steve Palmer with us each and every Wednesday. You guys can get free legal advice anytime uh, during the Wednesday that, sh- that you can call in after 830, 821-9970. And you can also uh, contact After Hours Steve Palmer on one simple number. Steve, what is that? Yeah, it's simple. 614-224-6142. Just go ahead and put it in your phone right now. That way you got it at the ready if you need it. All right, man. My guy, Steve Palmer. Thanks so much, brother. Hey, thanks, guys. All right. That was uh, the Blitz interface. Uh, you know, it's a great opportunity to be able to tune in with the Blitz, even remotely like this, and answer people's questions. I think, you know, this. the last caller there was talking about uh, pro bono uh, attorney services, and uh, I, I, f- I sort of feel like that's what I'm doing here. I like to answer questions the best I can. I'm not necessarily giving legal advice to people, but I think it's helpful for people to uh, at least have a place to call in and uh, get some quick answers. And obviously, uh, my office line is always open, 614-224-6142. I try to do that at the office, too. Now, my, my practice generally is uh, geared towards criminal defense. That's what I've done predominantly through the last 25, six years. But I've also helped people in lots and lots of different situations. Um, if there's a personal injury problem, a uh, car accident, uh, medical malpractice, products liability, civil litigation, even probate stuff, if I can't handle it, Believe me, I probably know somebody who can, and I've got a pretty good, deep Rolodex uh, of attorneys who are great at what they do. So any legal questions that you, you couldn't get through, didn't get answered, or you need more information, just look us up and give me a shout. Uh, and you can also do that at OhioLegalDefense.com. Again, there's an there's a email interface there if you want to get a client contact going. Uh, I'll be happy to correspond with you that way. So it is, uh, it is Wednesday. This means that it is a work day and it is a court day and I'm a little short staffed upstairs. So I've got to run over to court and deal with my real cases. I would love to sit here and chat about legal problems all day long, but alas, I do have a real job. But before I take off and go do that real job, a uh, couple quick reminders. Anybody who wants to start their own podcast, give us a uh, look us up at channel511.com. We are happy to uh, consult with you and maybe get you going on your own podcast. Uh, a couple little thank yous and, and other uh, credits. Uh, why does this sound so good? Well, you've heard me say it a thousand times. That's because Freddie B is making it happen. He's our sound engineer. Um, podcast organization, podcast uh, consultation. That is Brett with Circle 270 Media. He's a guru with that stuff. He can help too. Uh, anybody who's checked out our website and seen the photos, it's not by accident that they look so good. Uh, that is a photo Dan, Dan Buckley at danbuckleyphotography.com. Now comes the shameless plug for support. Yes, the shameless plug. We do have a Patreon account, and those of you who have been checking out Lawyer Talk podcast, uh, take a second, go to channel511.com. Or you can go to LawyerTalkPodcast.com, click the little Patreon icon and become a Patreon. It doesn't have to be much. Even a dollar helps. 
none of this has happened by accident. There's a lot of work, a lot of time, and a lot of money that went into building the studio so we can supply this awesome content uh, here for you free of charge. And uh, speaking of free content, check out the Comedians on South High. They are continuing to rock and roll here in the studio, recording on Wednesday nights. Jason Banks is uh, is killing it out there on the comedy circuit all across the nation. And you can check him out online. Just look up Jason Banks. And, and you really want something entertaining, go uh, check him out on TikTok, Jason Banks on TikTok. Uh, millions of followers, followers and more and more every day. You too could become a Jason Banks on TikTok follower. So that is all for now. This has been Lawyer Talk off the record, on the air, at least until now.